good morning again. I wanted to uh, remind you that uh, we're rolling out discipleship groups. Um, even though it's, it's a lot different now because of the pandemic, we are going to have a fall launch. We're going to go to two services next week. We are rolling out these discipleship groups. And uh, these discipleship groups are opportunities, both if you've been through the materials that we use, you get an opportunity to lead. Uh, or if you've never been through the materials, then uh, we want you to sign up. And we really we want every member of our church to have gone through the materials of uh, the material called Discipleship Essentials. And uh, the unit that, that we're, we're doing this uh, semester is the first part, first like six uh, chapters, and uh, those deal with spiritual disciplines. And uh, so if you've not done that, even if you're in another country somewhere right now watching this, we would love for you to, to be a part. Uh, you can do that because we're going to be on Zoom. We're going to do these remotely. And uh, it's just really essential for us in the mission of our church that people know both how to be a disciple but also how to make disciples uh, of others. And so for the next two weeks, you're going to see uh, opportunities for you to sign up both to lead and uh, to, to, to be a part of these groups. You can go to our website, uh, mercyhouse365.org slash discipleship, and you can find out more information about these groups, but also you can uh, register uh, on that page. So let's get into uh, the sermon. Uh, we're going to finish up the book of Philippians today. Philippians 4, hopefully you've uh, gotten uh, to Philippians 4 in your Bibles. Um, we've been saying that uh, the, the church at Philippi is a really healthy church. Uh, they seem really focused on the gospel. They seem like a really tight-knit family, and they're very much on mission but to make disciples both in their region but also uh, beyond their walls. And uh, partly we know that because they are giving money to Paul to help him uh, to make disciples uh, elsewhere. And uh, instead of Paul like giving them a trophy and putting them in the Hall of Fame, he, he's been... Uh, pressing on them to continue uh, growing, to continue to advance uh, in the mission that they're on. And uh, verses like uh, Philippians 3.14, where he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Uh, Paul is letting them know that, that he is pressing on and advancing, uh, and that those that are mature, I love that part, he's like, uh, if you're mature, you think like I think, right? Like, like you press on, you keep advancing, you keep moving uh, in both your own personal growth, but also the mission that uh, Christ uh, has placed you on. And the Philippians are really embracing this vision that Paul is casting for them. Uh, and partly we know that because he's, the Philippians are being generous to Paul. They're helping to fund uh, his ministry. And so this last section in the book of Philippians really gives us Paul's uh, vision uh, of uh, stewardship, uh, of, of what, what it looks like to receive God's provision and, and then be given the opportunity to release that uh, provision into the world. And so there's really three principles that I want to look at, three truths. Uh, if you're taking notes here, and this is inside the digital bulletin uh, as well, um, God is the ultimate owner and giver of resources. He owns it and he gives it. But Secondarily, he uses his people to release it into the world. So though he is owning it and giving it, he is, is uh, releasing it through uh, his people. That's the whole stewardship concept. And then thirdly, that God receives our generosity as a worship, right? And he rewards the worshiper. So those are our three main truths that we can draw from this text and uh, the first two truths are really encapsulated in the first part of uh, verse 
10. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you've revived your concern for me. You may remember earlier in chapter 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Well, here he is. He's rejoicing in the Lord. And uh, the reason he's rejoicing in the Lord is because the Philippians have renewed their concern for him, meaning uh, they have sent uh, both uh, Epaphroditus uh, to encourage him. But when Epaphroditus showed up, he had some money to help uh, to, 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 to finance Paul. And, and Paul needed that funding. Uh, you, you may know that he's in prison when he's writing this, this letter. Uh, and oftentimes in Roman prisons, uh, they didn't feed you. They didn't take care of you. They said, okay, if you want food, you want to get taken care of, your people are going to have to come and take care of you. And so this is part of what is happening, is the Philippians know that he's going to need resources to be able to survive uh, in, in prison. And so you may think, well, why isn't he rejoicing in the Philippians, right? The Philippians are the ones giving this, this money, right? Uh, but what Paul understands about resources is that ultimately they come from God. That God is the primary source and that then the people of God are the secondary source. Think of it this way. So, so let's say I put $500 in an envelope and I say to Megan, take this envelope uh, and, and, and give this envelope of cash uh, to Caleb Maycheck, right? And so when she gets to Caleb Maycheck and she gives him this envelope of, of, of cash, $500, uh, he probably would thank Megan, hey, thanks for bringing this over. But he would immediately text me, probably call me, since Caleb usually calls people, and say, thanks so much. This is amazing, right? And you think, well, why is he thanking me if Megan's the one that gave him the envelope? Well, because I would be the primary source. Megan would be the secondary source. And you think of, of, of God uh, in that way as well. Uh, when, when you think about stewardship, that, that God is the primary source, and we are the secondary source. And so that even, even the Philippians and Epaphroditus are, are, are giving him these funds Paul immediately goes to the primary source. He rejoices in the Lord. And this perspective that Paul has of resources and how they get to you uh, has caused him to be content. And he talks about that in uh, verse 11. He says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's, that's, a, that's a great little section there of Paul's uh, perspective uh, on provision. And, and it's very God-centered, right? Uh, his, his joy is not in the fact that his real needs were met. I mean, don't... don't think that Paul didn't have needs. He did have needs, and they were, they were serious needs. And those needs, they needed to be met, and they were met by these, these resources that were, were brought. But again, he views these needs as secondary to the primary, the ultimate giver of those gifts. And that God is using the Philippians, that the Philippians are getting to be a part of this, this giving of these resources. And this is, this is what gives him contentment is the belief that, that God is the one who's caring for him through uh, the Philippians. And why, why does that produce contentment? Because Paul really believes that God's in charge. God really does have all the resources in the world, and God can release any and all of those resources to his people. And, and so Paul knows that, and because he thinks that way, it gives him contentment. 
You see this kind of teaching throughout the New Testament. You see it from Jesus, right? Jesus teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Now, did that daily bread come from the grocery store? Yes. Did that daily bread, be, was it purchased at the grocery store from wages that were earned with labor? Yes. But all that's secondary to the primary source of that bread, which is why Jesus teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread bread. You hear him teaching this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? This is that perspective. That God is the primary giver. He owns everything, and he is the primary giver of resources. This, this is partly why Christians, including myself, usually say a prayer of thanks before they eat. Say, thank you, God, for this food, right? The food that came from the grocery store paid with wages that were earned with labor. But, but, but the, the acknowledgement is, no, that, that's secondary. What's primary is that God has provided the strength for that job, the opportunity to work at that job. All of these things are, are gifts of grace from God, and so it's appropriate to thank God for our provision. Now, this doesn't mean be lazy, refuse to work, say, well, God, you're the provider, I'm just going to lay on the couch. And No, the, the opportunity to work, the strength to work, the, the skills to work, all these things are given to us as uh, gifts uh, from God. Now, notice that Paul says he, he learned to be content. I think that's extremely helpful. He's saying this was a process for him, and it's a process for us too. Going through the, the, the stages of plenty and want and plenty and want and, and having to work that out over time is how we learn to be uh, content. Uh, th this, is, this is certainly something that, that, that I am, have learned am learning. Right? This, this is hard. It's hard to acknowledge and believe down to the very core of your being that God is the primary owner and giver, and that everything else is secondary. And so it really does require a lot of what we talked about last week, where uh, we're feeling anxiety, we're feeling fear about provision, and we respond to that by praying, offering up our requests to God, who is the primary owner and giver, right, of, of meditating, of thinking on who is God, and uh, these truths about him being the giver, uh, the owner uh, of all things. Now, it may be interesting or confusing to you that Paul says you need to learn contentment in plenty, but it's really a, an incredible insight regarding the fallen state of human beings. Um, when we're in want, sure, we feel discontent. We're not, we're not content with what uh, we have or, or we don't have, but perhaps even more in plenty, we feel discontent. Uh, we get a bigger, better car or house or trip, and it just whets our appetite for an even bigger car or house or trip. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes has a few things to say about this. And we're actually, I'm going to be preaching through Ecclesiastes uh, this uh, fall semester. But Ecclesiastes 5, uh, verse 10 says, uh, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. And then in verse 12, sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. 
Solomon knew this full well. He was filthy rich, and he knew what it was like to, to have all these resources, and yet it's not enough. Enough is never enough. And so we, there's this discontentment that just wells up in us uh, as, as we feel this, this need for more. Um, and, you know, New England, I, it, it's a case in point, right? It, it's just one of the, uh, the wealthiest regions in the United States of America. It, it is also the least generous, statistically, of the region in the United States of America. Right? The more you have, the, the, it doesn't mean you're content. Right? It could actually mean you're more... Uh, discontent. And so it's interesting, again, that this, the, this, the context for this conversation uh, about, gener- uh, about contentment is this conversation about generosity. Like th- this is how you know <laughs> that you're experiencing contentment in the Lord regarding your provision, is that you're generous with that provision. And so this is the, our second truth, right, that God releases his resources into the world through the generosity of his people, right? Every, every time you're, you're doing this, you're, you're giving generously, you're saying with your actions that God is the ultimate owner and giver uh, of every good thing. Uh, this has sim- uh, systematic or, or systemic implications uh, as well. Um, and so when a whole system of individuals is, is living in this way of, of hoarding and even exploiting, it creates a whole system of injustice. I mean, we see this uh, in the, the history of American slavery. Right? You, we see slave owners who are exploiting vulnerable Africans, bringing them to, to work on their plantations uh, for free. And why are they doing that? Um, they're doing that in large part because they want more resources for themselves and are not being generous with those resources uh, to others. On top of the history of American slavery uh, is the injustices of the Jim Crow era, which just kind of uh, perpetuated that uh, injustice. And this, again, has resulted in a lot of the income inequities uh, of our country. And it's one of the conversations right now that's being had, uh, more so than ever, as we talk about, wow, why are those inequities there? And in large part because of, 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 of folks in, in, in the history of our country uh, who a lot of them claim to be Christians uh, who were not believing, God, you're the, you're the giver and, and, and you're the owner of all things and we need to steward these things for your glory and the good uh, of others, including people uh, of other races. And so it can, can create a whole uh, system uh, of oppression. And so when, when we as believers are... We're believing that God is the owner and the giver, and we are, are entering into a life of generosity. We're turning that unjust system on its head. We're, we're, we're bringing God's uh, original intention back into uh, reality. We're, we're in, in, in a way, bringing the kingdom, right? The kingdom is coming uh, as we uh, become generous because of our understanding of resources coming from God. Um, now, you may say, well, that, that's, a, that's a really great vision and, a, and a, quite a pipe dream. Um, how is that going to happen, and, and can it happen? And it can happen, and, 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 it, and it's happening with Paul and the Philippians, right? And, and, and how, do, how is it that, that it's happening to them? Well, uh, Philippians 4.13 lets us know, I can do all things through him 
who strengthens me? That's how you do it, right? Uh, it's done through Christ. It's done through the generosity of the gospel that, that is given to us freely, this infinite gift that we have uh, at the cross uh, of Christ. Now, this is a, one of those verses that's a great verse to stitch on your pillow, right? I mean, I, I don't know how many sports posters I had when I was growing up that had this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, and there was usually a picture of someone like kneeling in, in the end zone after they, you know, had, had actually, uh, you know, gotten, gotten a touchdown and they had done that, you know, allegedly through strength given to them by, by Christ. Um, but the context of this verse is contented generosity. When, when he says, I can do all things through Christ, what he's talking about uh, in, in terms of the context is, is that he is content and he's generous, that the Philippians can be content and they can be generous, and they can do that through Christ who strengthens them. That the engine of this kind of, of a lifestyle is the, the generosity that is in the gospel. In another place where Paul is talking about uh, gospel-centered giving, he says it this way in 2 Corinthians 8 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become Rich. I mean, this, this verse encapsulates Paul's understanding of gospel-centered giving. That, that, that God, in his infinite generosity, gave this infinite gift of, of, of forgiveness for sin. And it was paid for by his son's death on the cross. And as he gives that to Christians and undeserving sin, sinners like us who are, are impoverished, receive that generous gift we then are given the mandate to go and do likewise to to give generously just as god generously gave to us in the gospel now we we give generously not to save ourselves or save others we give generously because we are saved because we have been saved by the generosity of god this is the essence of christian giving of christian stewardship and the philippians get this the philippians get this look at verse 14 he says, yet it was kind to you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me, giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. You can see here, not every church is signing up to give generously to Paul's ministry, I mean, at least right here in the this, this portion of Paul's ministry, this, this is the only church. This is the only church willing to release resources uh, into uh, Paul's um, ministry. And, and so they get it, right? Like they received the generosity of the gospel when Paul came to them and preached the gospel to them. They were the first church that he planted in the region of, of Macedonia. And he was able to come there in part probably because the church at Antioch had given him resources so that he could go on his second missionary journey and be there in Macedonia to preach the gospel. And now they wanted to do the same. They wanted to give resources uh, to Paul so that he could go to other places and he could preach that same generous gospel uh, to them. I do want you to notice that the primary concern of, of the church is gospel poverty, not material poverty. It is gospel poverty. Not that we shouldn't meet material poverty. We absolutely should, should meet that need. But the primary need, the deepest need of the human, of the human heart is the, the need for uh, the gospel. 
And so whenever possible, when we're meeting a material need, we want to couple that with meeting a spiritual need, the need of gospel poverty being alleviated. And so as a church, we attempt to follow that. We attempt to we give away 10% of whatever comes into our at-home general offering. And we've actually done that for several years. And you may be asking yourself, do we have the money to do that? Like, like, aren't we raising funds from the outside? And uh, yeah, you, you can see this on our financial update every, every week, right? You can see uh, where we're receiving funds from the outside. We're receiving external giving. That's just kind of general giving from the outside. And then you, donations for staff. Staff are raising support, myself included. And uh, that, th those resources are coming from the outside. You can even see that as far as our budget target, we're, we're, we're a bit short, right? But as, as true as, as that is, um, we are also giving resources away. We, we, actually, recently, we, we gave uh, around $20,000 away uh, to some different folks, which uh, I'm excited about. So, so one, is, uh, one category is like local missions, one is global missions. So in local missions, uh, we gave uh, some money to the, the First Baptist Church Amherst Food Pantry. And so uh, they've been... Uh, what, what Pastor Moselle told me is, is that they've been giving away more food than any other pantry in the region. And so we were able to give some resources to, to help them, to, to, and a lot of that has been COVID-19 uh, related. Uh, we sent some support to Ben and Sarah, who work with the, the Navigators, the regional directors in Vermont. And Sarah was part of our church as a student and then married Ben, and they have been serving there for a number of years, and we've been able to support them over the years. Elias... Uh, who you just saw uh, reading the scripture, uh, he is, is doing a, a part-time internship with InterVarsity and, and helping to start new campus ministries in Springfield. And so we were able to give uh, a grant uh, to him to help him in ministry. Nadia, also working as an uh, intern with uh, InterVarsity, and she's a recent grad from UMass. She uh, is uh, working with InterVarsity here uh, at UMass. So we were able to, to help her with uh, some resources, but also global missions. Um, so Deniston Baptist Church uh, is uh, in Scotland, in Glasgow, and uh, they have restarted the church. The church has been around for a long time, but they've recently, over the last couple of years, restarted the church, and uh, they are working with a lot of economically disadvantaged folks, very diverse uh, group of folks, and uh, they've run out of room. They have had more people coming, and they don't have room, and so they've just recently purchased that building that you see here in the picture, and this is Pastor Mark standing in front of it, um, but they needed to, to do some, uh, some renovations, some, and we were able to give them a grant to, to help them uh, to do some renovations uh, in that church. Uh, Lee, who's been serving as a missionary in the Muslim world uh, for a handful of years and is in Lebanon, uh, she recently she sent an update to us and just let us know that uh, she was going to be working on a master's in humanitarian and disaster leadership. Uh, with Wheaton College in Illinois. And this is going to open up more doors for her in Lebanon. Uh, it's also going to end up meeting some, some uh, material needs and some spiritual needs uh, as well. And so we were able to, to help her with some of her tuition so that she could get this uh, degree. And then uh, finally, uh, the Holloway family that, that, again, we've been able to support. They are in Southeast Asia doing evangelism, church planting uh, to a place that uh, has extreme gospel poverty. <laughs> It is a very unengaged place, and so this family has been serving there 
uh, for a couple of years, and we've been able to support them and help them uh, in, their, in their ministry. And so in addition to that, there's ongoing gifts that we're, we give to, to different ministries. Uh, and we have some more resources. So if there's something that you're like, I think this would be a great opportunity uh, for us as a church to participate, you can certainly reach out to me. You could also reach out to me if you're like, I'd like to be on a missions team and be a part of supporting those uh, relationally uh, that uh, are, are, are part of that net of, of support that comes from Mercy House and also being a part of the conversation of where some of those resources go. You're welcome to reach out to me uh, if you'd like to be a part of that kind of a mission team. Now, again, why, why do we do that, right? Why do we do that? Well, we do that because God is the ultimate owner and the giver of resources. <laughs> and we have the privilege to be his people on mission to give, uh, to, to release those resources in the world. Um, we want to be the church at Philippi. <laughs> we want to be that church that uh, Paul's bragging on there, where they are willing to give generously to ministries that are way outside their walls, that are not going to necessarily be any, any benefit to them in the here and now, but it's so critical for churches to have this kind of a vision to give generously outside their walls. Now, as if that's not enough of a motivator to do it. I mean, I think we could, we could stop the sermon there and we could say, okay, let's go give. Let's be generous. But Paul gives even more motivation to do it. And that's the third principle here, that God receives our generosity as worship. And he rewards the worshiper, receives it as worship and rewards the worshiper. Look at verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you've sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see in that passage that God, God both receives and God rewards. Now let's talk about the reward part here. He rewards the giver. Paul says the fruit that increases to your credit. You may think, wait a minute. Usually when I give money away, the credit in my account goes down. And Paul's saying my credit in my account is going to go up. What's he, what's he talking about? Well, he's, he's talking about what Jesus calls treasure in heaven. Now, here, here's where Jesus talks about it. Matthew 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what Jesus is letting us know is that there are rewards in heaven regarding how we steward our time, our talent, and our treasure here on earth. There are rewards in heaven. And, and, and this is throughout the New Testament. Now, I don't understand all this, okay? I don't, I don't know exactly how to explain what, what that means. And, and it certainly, again, is not earning your salvation, earning your forgiveness of sin, but, but, there, but there's some concept of, of reward in heaven regarding how we steward uh, our, our resources. And so the way, way I think about it is investing in, in sort of heavenly stock, right? You're investing in heavenly stock. When, when you're giving away resources for gospel mission, uh, you're, you're investing in heavenly stock. And certainly in our house, we've put way more in heavenly stock than we've put in <laughs> earthly stock, right? 
And, and what this text and many others says is, is that that heavenly stock has eternal value. That, that Whole Foods stock, that Exxon stock, I mean, it may be going up and, and, and have value, but it doesn't have eternal value. I don't care how good a value that stock has. It does not have eternal value. That, that investing in the advancement of God's kingdom, the advancement of gospel mission, this is investing in heavenly stock, and that has eternal um, value. And partly why it has eternal value is because this, 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 this giving, this generosity, is done as worship unto an eternal God. Right? That's why it has eternal value. And this is what, what he's describing here, a fragrant, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. That's how he describes the Philippian giving. He uses Old Testament imagery of a, of a burnt offering and the smoke wafting up to heaven and, and God smelling that, that smoke. And that may seem strange to you, but it, for the ancient world, uh, th this is very profound because in the ancient world, every other religion pretty much did sacrifices. But their understanding of those sacrifices is that, is that the god or goddess that they were sacrificing to was actually eating the sacrifice that was being burned on the altar. And that the god or goddess had, had needs, that, it were, that this god or goddess was hungry. Um, and that if they burned the sacrifice, that it would fill the tummies of the gods and goddesses. And that when their tummies were full, they'd be happy, and then they might do something good for the worshiper. This is not the worship of the Old Testament people of God. Their understanding of God and our understanding of God is that he is sufficient in and of himself. The theological word, a saity of God, right? He is sufficient. He doesn't need anything. And so whatever worship that's offered him, it's not because he needs it. He needs something. It, it, it's, it's something that's done unto him as, as worship. Right? And he can receive that as worship and be pleased with it. And, and so Paul is saying you're offering of this of this money for, for for Paul's ministry. He's like, that's like an offering, an Old Testament offering, wafting up to God and God receiving that offering and him being pleased with that. And it's a sacrifice, right? I mean, it's, that's partly the essence of this idea of, of making a, a sacrifice in the Old Testament is that it hurts. It, it's a sacrifice to sacrifice. And so this is no different, right? And this is partly what Paul's getting at here is that the Philippians are, they're sacrificing. It, it hurts. And, and it may be nothing hurts more, <laughs> us human beings, as taking some of our financial resources and offering those up to God in worship. There's also a, a reward in this life to some degree. Did you catch verse 19? My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Paul's teaching the Philippians that if they adopt the role of steward, that they, they can trust that God will provide. He says he, he will supply every need. Now notice he says need. <laughs> he doesn't say every want, but he does. He makes this very, very solid promise. He will provide every one of your needs. And he's, he's, he's speaking that kind of language in the context of giving, of this contented generosity that the Philippians are offering him. And he's saying, hey, you can't, you can't outgive God. Like God. God's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. Keep giving. Keep being content. Keep being generous. Because the God of heaven who owns everything and is the giver of everything can be trusted 
as you give uh, in contented generosity. So how do we, how do we respond to this? Um, well, first and foremost, we must receive the generous gift that God has given us in Christ. This, this infinite gift of forgiveness for our sins that was paid for by Christ on the cross. Receiving that, first and foremost, we can't really be generous until we receive this infinite generosity from God. And then we have the foundation. Then we have the engine. When we understand, wow, Jesus made himself poor so that I could be made rich through his generosity. When we receive that, then we have the engine to help us to be content and to be uh, generous. If we've done that already, then, then we, I, I, I don't know, for me, it causes me to want to confess my lack of stewardship. <laughs> it's such a natural inclination in my fallen self to, to hoard, to, 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 to think, oh, these are my resources. I need to hold on to these resources instead of saying, God, I'm a steward. I'm a manager of these resources. Lord, Lord what do you want me to do? And so I end up having to confess that I'm not understanding God rightly. I'm not understanding how resources should be handled rightly, confessing that, confessing my anxiety around that, my fears around that, and asking the Lord to forgive me, asking the Lord to then transform me such that I can be generous with those resources. So I think an appropriate response would be to confess, to confess our, our lack of, of stewardship, our lack of trust in God as the ultimate owner and giver of all good things. And then third, to embrace the call to be a steward of the resources. Um, to, if, we, if we're not giving, uh, to begin giving. To, to begin to pray about, okay, how can I take the first steps of, of, of giving? If we are giving, uh, to continue giving. I know it's, it's tempting once you are giving generously and you're giving sacrificially, there's always that temptation to say, you know, this month I'm not going to do it. This season I'm not going to do it. And, and to, to remain steadfast, uh, to, to remain steadfast in believing, no, God, you will supply every one of my needs, every one of my family's needs, such that I can, with content, give generously. And, and where you start is the local church, right? This is home base for the advancement of the kingdom of God, the advancement of the gospel, of meeting that deepest need. Of, of, of the gospel and its salvation. And so giving generously. And many, many of you do. And we're, we're so grateful that you uh, have believed God such that you're willing to give generously to the church. Others still struggling to grow into that. And so I just want to just gently, as your pastor, just gently uh, exhort you from this text of Scripture uh, to be generous you know, to the church uh, in your offering of, of worship unto God. Um, and know that, that those resources not only uh, benefit the ministry here, but they are actually going outside these walls. And they are benefiting uh, both spiritual needs and material needs. I don't know if you noticed in those examples, many of those, those things are coupled, which I think is why those ministries have so much uh, power. And so let's, let's, let's repent, let's, let's confess, let's, uh, let's obey in this area uh, as we give generously uh, to the glory of God and the good of people. Let's pray. God, we do, we offer up our lives this morning anew, um, all of our lives, uh, including our, our resources. Lord, we uh, confess to you, Lord, we oftentimes begin to think of these resources as our resources, that uh, 
we are the primary owners of. Um, and Lord, we confess uh, that that is absolutely uh, wrong thinking. And we just we confess it, Lord. We ask uh, for forgiveness. Uh, we ask for transformation. Lord, would you would you help us to adopt the kind of vision perspective that we read here in Philippians chapter four? that you are the one who is meeting every need out of your riches and that we can trust that lord and then trust it so much so that we can be generous and and be content in the midst uh, of that generosity and so thank you for the many who have generously given to this church both those that are part of this church and but also those that are outside this church that continue uh, to give generously to help uh, support the ministry here we just we pray that, that we would uh, continue to grow in giving and uh, in gospel-centered giving, uh, Lord. And we offer up all these things in, uh, for your praise, your glory, your honor. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.